So in January of 2020, before everything happened, I just want to just pause on that for a second. <sighs> okay, it's a different time then. January of 2020, I went with some of the pastoral staff. We took a trip to Israel and had an amazing experience. Now, it was my second trip there. Both trips have been amazing, just absolutely phenomenal. But we did things this trip that I didn't get to do the first time. And one of the things that we did is we took a trip to a, a little village called Magdala. And actually, I have a, a picture of us overlooking that. that by the way, why are you laughing? I don't know why you're laughing. This, this is actually, this is just typical of our lives. I just want to say really quick. We're on a mountaintop overlooking this village, the Sea of Galilee and Magdala. And so there's me, you know, trying my best to look like I'm on some kind of rock band album cover or something. <laughs> like I'm just working it really hard. And then, and then there's my wife behind me, pencil in hand, asking questions about all the history of Israel to our guide. And so if you want a picture of what our relationship is like, there you go. I don't care about none of that. Anyway, <laughs> so Magdala is this little fishing village there on the Sea of Galilee. It was an active city, it was fishing, it was a port on the way from Nazareth to Capernaum. And in 2009, they actually unearthed a first century Jewish synagogue there. And actually, it's one of seven in the world, and it's the best kept one today. I wanted to show it to you. So right there in the background, there it is. They unearthed that first century synagogue, and so we're, we're, we're learning all about that. But around the grounds, there's a bunch of incredible stuff. There's a, there's a, it's like a bunch of buildings and a place you can stay. And there's a building with a women's atrium where it kind of honors all the women who faithfully followed Jesus through the scriptures. And then as you travel around in there, there's a boat chapel. And the boat chapel is commemorating Jesus being in the boat and, and teaching. So people actually go and stand in the boat and give sermons. And people sit there and listen. There's, a, there's four mosaic chapels that are all around the area that commemorate moments of Jesus' life. It's a really incredible place. But if you go down the stairs, you're going to find the encounter chapel. And the Encounter Chapel, the floor of this chapel, it's the original first century marketplace floor of Magdala. And you can see just a portion of it down there. Go back, go back, will you, John? <laughs> now everybody's like, what happened to you? <laughs> I'm getting to the point of the story. So that's the first century marketplace floor. And then there's this, uh, this incredible painting that commemorates the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. And we walked into this chapel and we're standing there and just taking it all in. It's just amazing. And, and as we're talking and we're thinking about that women's atrium, we began to pray. And we began to pray for, for women. We began to pray for the, the women on staff and, and wives. We began to pray for you, women of one chapel. And, and as we're praying, the Lord had a little something else in mind for us. Had an encounter, an experience for us. And so we had this guide with us. His name was Sean, incredible guy. And the Hancocks were with us and Britt and Audrey. And so... So we're, we're just praying, and, and Sean, our guy, came up, and he put his hands on me, and he began to pray for the fire of God, and ooh, it was getting weighty. And then Britt came up behind me, and he put his hand on my neck. I don't know if you've ever had Britt Hancock put his hand on your neck and pray, but it, fuego de Dios, it goes something like that. Listen, I got stories. I got stories of me and Britt for another time. So he's praying, and, and all of a sudden, it just got heavy, 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 the weight of the glory of the presence of God. And so you saw it. 
I just went down. I was down on the ground in this first century marketplace having an encounter in the presence of Jesus. Now, if you grew up Pentecostal, you're like, oh, he got slain in the spirit. And I knew, I knew, I knew. <laughs> for others of you, for others of you, I just, the weight, the weightiness of God's presence and I surrendered to it and he encountered me there on the floor, okay? So, so it was an amazing deal. And so then, so then I, I stand up and I'm praying and other people are having this encounter. So, so our guide, Sean, he's like flopping down on the ground and, and well, eventually it just kind of devolves and <laughs> Britt's on the ground and Dale and Kim are on the ground and everybody's praying. And I'm just telling you, it was powerful. We encountered Jesus there in Magdala. And he broke some barriers down in our lives. And he pushed through some things. And he reminded us all that we have a story that he wants to tell through our lives. He reminded us that he is a barrier breaker. He reminded us that, that he's got work to do and there's stuff for us to partner with him and the stories for us to tell. All this un unexpected encounter in this little fishing village of Magdala. As I mentioned, there's an atrium that highlights the women through the scriptures up above this chapel. And one woman in particular I wanna talk about today, she also had a powerful encounter with Jesus. And her name in the scriptures indicate that she was from this place, from Magdala. Her name, of course, is Mary Magdalene. So we're in this series called Resurrection Stories. And what we're doing, we're reminding ourselves as a church that stories have power, right? Stories have power. Everybody loves a good story. That's why we love books and we love movies and we love songs. We love Lord of the Rings. We love Marvel. And we love Star Wars and Wuthering Heights. I don't know. We, I guess I'm sci-fi nerd. So we, we like all these stories because they're so meaningful. And stories take complex ideas and they break them down for us so that we can understand them. Stories force us to ask questions about things that, that really matter in life. Stories help us examine ourselves and our experiences. They help us kind of point into what we really believe. Jesus himself, of course, taught in stories called parables. And in Revelation 12, 11, we all read that, that we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our, our testimony or our story. Didn't love our lives so much as to shrink from death. And the resurrection of Jesus is the central miracle and story for all of Christianity. And the reason for that is because the resur resurrection of Jesus changed everything, changes everything today. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. So by this story, this is it. This is how it happens. This is how you get saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. For what I received, Paul says, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is it. This is the thing. First importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You might recognize a little of the Nicene Creed right there, pulled from this passage. So the resurrection of Jesus is the miracle that defeats sin and it conquers death. It overcomes the grave. Jesus takes on the sins of the whole world upon himself. He dies. He's raised again to life, restored each of us back into relationship with him. The inauguration of the kingdom of God into the earth and gives us a standing invitation to continue to partner with him in what he wants to do, bringing his kingdom to bear around here. Resurrection is a life-giving force. It makes Christianity unique among all the other world religions. So in the scriptures, we're going to read resurrection story after resurrection story. We read over and over and over again. But I want you to realize today, everybody, is that Jesus is still working. 
Like those stories aren't the only stories. You have a story today, he's working in your life, and he wants you to be able to tell that story. The power of sharing your story is that it opens the door for other people to share theirs. This is what we're gonna talk about with Mary Magdalene today. When you feel like you can open up and share your story with other people, it opens them up to be able to share theirs and receive the healing of Jesus. Check out 1 Peter 3. Peter says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But of course, do it with gentleness and respect. Like be kind, be considerate, have manners, everybody. Uh, keep a clear conscience, do good with your life, make good decisions, be honorable, treat your wife and your kids well, do well at your job, so that those who wanna speak maliciously against you, they'll be ashamed of their slander. He says, no, 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 that guy's not like that. He's actually like this, I've seen him. So we wanna do this. We wanna be prepared to give an answer at the drop of a hat for the, re the reason for the hope that we all have. So today, we're gonna tell the story of Mary Magdalene. Are you ready, everybody? All right, John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, they started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen that were lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, and he saw and believed." Then they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. All right, now hold up. Now we don't actually know a lot of details about Mary Magdalene. She doesn't show up in the gospel actually until the cross. She shows up a little earlier in other gospels, but in John, we don't see her until the cross. Her name, as I said, indicates she comes from this area called Magdala. And we know that she joined the disciples and she followed Jesus around wherever he went. And some of you are surprised. You're like, wait, wait, wait. Didn't Jesus just travel around with 12 dudes? Like, isn't that how, no, there, there was a whole bunch of people that traveled and there were women that traveled around and supported him. And, and we know this is true. How do we know this is true? Because 12 guys on their own, wandering around doing stuff is never gonna end well. <laughs> if you don't have a woman around, it's just gonna be trouble. So there had to be women there involved and she's part of a group of women who actually supported Jesus out of their means. So we know that she ends up in Jerusalem at the foot of the cross after the disciples have fled. We, we know that she observes his burial and as we'll see, she witnesses his resurrection. But perhaps most famously, Mary Magdalene is known for being delivered of seven demons. Now, wouldn't you love for that to be how you remembered throughout all of history? This person who had seven demons and God delivered. So here it is in Luke chapter eight. After this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. And then there's Joanna and Susanna and many others, these women who were helping to support them out of their own means. Now it's really interesting though because seven demons is perhaps a really important number. And it's descriptive, maybe, of Mary's condition. It's this potential statement of Mary being in the worst condition. Because in Matthew 12, 
Jesus says when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and doesn't find it. And then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. And then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. And that is how it will be with this wicked generation. What we can easily say, what we know for sure, is that Mary was in a bad way. We know that she was in bondage. We know that she was enslaved to shame and probably fear. She had these seven demons that she was delivered of. So, so demons. Can we just talk about demons for a second? Okay, good. All right, I appreciate that. So, so we don't like to talk about this. This is not fun for us. Like, ah, I, don't, I don't enjoy talking about this. In our culture, we, we skip this a lot. But the reality is, you got to come to terms with, there is a spiritual world. That's what we're participating in. There is a spiritual world out there. And there are demons, and they want to steal from you, and they want to kill you, and they want to destroy you. They want to participate with the devil's plan for your life. And of course, there's God and his Holy Spirit. And just, by the way, just to get it real clear from the get-go, these forces are not equal. Okay, they are not equal at all. But it is, we live in this spiritual reality. Um, and I have friends who actually have gone to see this movie that's come out, what's called, um, Come Out in Jesus' Name, I think it is. Have you heard of this movie? Some of you have seen it. I haven't seen it, so I really can't say much about it. But I had friends who were like, hey, I'm gonna go see this movie, but I'm a little nervous because what if I manifest demons while I'm there? I'm like, well, well, that's probably good. You probably should, and that's great. And Jesus will deliver you. That'll be awesome. So when I was in elementary school, I was, uh, we were going to go out for dinner. And uh, my mom was saying, hey, go get changed. We're going to go for dinner. Somebody knocked at our door. It was a couple guys from the church. And they were outside with this woman. They, they were in the neighborhood, and they were witnessing, and they were praying for people. And so, so they brought, so they're like, hey, we need to bring this lady inside the house. And so my mom was, yeah, sure, come on in. And so they brought her in, and she said, hey, go change your shirt, and we're going to go out for dinner. And so um, these guys are just going to stay here and pray. So I went in my room, and I changed my shirt real quick, and I was about to walk out the door, and I reached for the door, and as I was about to touch the knob, I heard this, this woman in this deep, guttural voice say, no, I won't come out. <laughs> what, what is happening? And so my mom came to the door. She was like, hey, I'm in elementary school. Hey, and I'm like, hey, come on, let's go. She's got some demons. And those guys are going to pray for her, and they're going to cast them out. Okay, let's go. And so we left and walked, walked out. You know, she's there in the living room on the couch with the guys. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And I walk out. So those guys stayed. We went to dinner. They stayed. They prayed over her. They ministered to her. She was delivered. She found freedom in Jesus. Those demons came out. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Because he came so that we can have abundant life, life to the full. That's why he showed up for us. So, so you don't have to be afraid. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against, we wrestle against principalities and powers, forces in this dark world. But you can live in freedom. Mary found freedom because of Jesus. So first, there's, just a, there's some amazing stuff here in this passage I want to highlight. Mary Magdalene, she goes to the tomb early, probably with other women from the other Gospels, perhaps to bring some burial spices. You know, she sees the stone rolled away, and she runs out to go and tell the guys. Now, this has to be the healthiest part of the New Testament, because of all the running. <laughs> She's running to the guys. She runs to the guys, and then Peter and John, they, oh, by the way, John just has to point out, 
the one that Jesus loved. Did you catch it in there? He just, he just slips it in there. All right, so, so John, they, they take off running. John conveniently arrives. Oh, the other disciple, he arrived first. Peter's sucking wind in the back. I don't know what's wrong with him. Peter's a little older. He just couldn't quite hang. John arrives, but he doesn't go in. And then Peter arrives, and true to character, he's like, let me see this. And he just barges right in. And he goes in, and he sees what's happened. And, and they're wondering, did someone steal the boat? What's, what's going on? And, and John points out that he's the one. John is the one who believed. I can't tell you about Peter. I don't know if he believed or not, but I know that I believed. And John points out the burial clothes are laying there. The head cloth is separate from the strips of linen. The facial cloth, apparently, is, is wrapped... Apparently, it's wrapped under the chin, tied above the head, right, to keep the jaw from falling open. Have you seen, like, a Christmas carol? I think Jacob Marley, you know, a thing around his head, keeps the chin from falling open. And so they're looking at going, what's going on? Like, if somebody was going to take the body, wouldn't they just pick up the whole thing and run? Why would the the clothes just be laying there, and why is the head napkin just there kind of neat? What is happening? It looks like Jesus just kind of pulled an Obi-Wan Kenobi or a a Yoda, and he just kind of disappeared into the life-giving force of Jesus, God himself. I got lost there in Star Wars. Okay, so it seems like he just kind of disappeared. What is happening here? The point, everybody, is the scene isn't chaotic or confused. Something very intentional has happened. And then the guys, they go back to where they were staying, but the scripture says that Mary stayed. So we pick up the story in verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus says to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers, and you tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. I am ascending to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had what these things that he had said to her. So after Peter and John had left, Mary Magdalene, she stayed weeping. Now I don't know why this is, but I do think that it's interesting. Peter and John, they'd been there. They saw what had happened. They saw all the things that Mary had seen, but they left. Mary stayed, and then the angels showed up. Like maybe there's something to waiting, to asking, to seeking, to knocking, to waiting to see what he's gonna do. Something to looking for him. We know this is true from Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We know that we're supposed to ask and seek and knock. I think what happens is with our resurrection stories, some of us, we miss the story because we just take off too soon. I don't get what's going on here. I'm not sure if I believe all this. I don't know, it's taken a little too long, so I'm just gonna take off, and you miss the moment of healing and deliverance because you just took off too soon. Maybe we just need to be a little more patient. Sit and wait and look and trust. That's what Mary did, and she has this experience. 
So the angels, they don't have, really have much to say to her except for maybe she shouldn't be crying so much. But then Jesus, he shows up and she doesn't recognize him. It could be because of his resurrection body. It could just be that she has tears in his eyes, tears in her eyes. It appears that she's kind of looking away from him. She thinks this person is the gardener. Her mind is still on the problem of the tomb. There's still a problem. He's gone. I don't know what's happening here. But Jesus is trying to lift her eyes to something else. And I think we do this too. We just want to stay focused on the problem. I'm not healed. I'm not delivered. I'm not okay yet. It's not over yet. What's going on? Why can't this be done? We stay focused on the thing all the while. Jesus, risen from the dead, full of life and power, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to him. He's trying to lift our eyes up to something bigger. Lift our eyes up to himself. Jesus calls her name Mary, and she instantly recognizes him. It says Rabboni. And then the curious thing about this passage, the most curious thing, and there's a lot to be curious about in this passage, actually. But he says these words, says, don't hold on to me. Some translations actually say, don't touch me. <laughs> if you read it, don't, don't touch me. And so there's lots of interpretation about how this goes, and, and scholars, they debate about it, differing views. Some say he's actually prohibiting a literal touch, like, don't touch me, I, I, I still have this resurrected body, I haven't ascended to my father. I think it's a little strange because he asks Thomas to touch him later in the day, right? Uh, other scholars try to, to alter the words and say, no, actually, what, she, what he was saying was, touch me, we, we misinterpreted or something. She's saying touch me because he's gonna say it to Thomas later in the day. I think actually the best translation, though, is what's written here in the NIV. Don't hold on to me, or don't try to keep me. Don't try to keep me here. What Jesus is saying is, Mary, our relationship is going to change now. It's going to be different. You're not going to see me around Galilee anymore. We're not going to be going and getting dinner. We're not going to be talking and walking together. We're not going to be praying together. You can't hold on to what you found right here in the garden, Mary. As good and wonderful and as exciting as it is, you can't hold on to this. Why? Because I have something better in mind. Because I'm gonna send to the Father and I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is gonna counsel you. He's gonna guide you into all truth. He will always be with you. He's gonna give you the power to be able to tell the story about me and how I changed your story. I want you to go, actually, Mary, go start now. Go, run to the disciples and you tell them. Go tell them what I have done. And so she does which leads us to the point of this resurrection story. The woman from the worst situation becomes the first person to experience the resurrection. This woman delivered of seven demons, this woman that potentially is just in the worst of ways, broken, enslaved, she is the first person to experience the resurrection story. N.T. Wright, the theologian, he actually calls her the apostle to the apostles, the sent one to the sent ones. In this gospel, John gives her the role of the first to discover the resurrection, the first to run and report to the disciples, and the first person to see the resurrected Christ as she lingers there by the tomb, weeping after the others have left. Hey, everybody, this is big. Her testimony wouldn't have even held up in court. Like, why even include this? Her testimony wouldn't even hold up in the courts of the day just because she was a woman. Like, in the New Testament, in this time period, women didn't count for much, literally. Like, even as you read through the Gospels, you see that they're not even included in census material, right? Jesus fed the 5,000 men besides women and children. They're not even counted. They don't add up to much. Women were hardly, if ever, given the responsibility of being a courier or a messenger, much less a legal witness. 
If somebody in the first century wanted to invent a story about the resurrected Jesus, they would never have dreamed of giving the starring role to a woman, let alone Mary Magdalene. Once again, Jesus breaks through the barriers of the day, breaks through what she's done and the barriers that she's put up or things that have been done to her. He breaks through the cultural barriers of the day, the limitations that the culture wants to place on a woman, all of it to reveal his resurrection life and power and entrust the telling of the story to a woman who was delivered of seven demons. And actually, this is just one of the passages, everybody, just in case you're wondering. This is one of the passages that informs my understanding of women in ministry. Like if you're wondering how that works around here, well, we believe that women can lead and pray and pastor and do all the things. We have women pastors here. I think somebody's speaking here in just a week or two. It's like, we believe in that. And that's because of this passage and yes, the other Pauline passages and the interpretations of those passages to say, yes, women, you got a job to do. Okay, all right, okay. Here's what I want you to hear today. No story is too broken. No person is too far. No person too far gone. And I know you've heard it. I'm just not sure that all of you believe it. You're saying, Brent, I, I, I still have these unhealthy habits and addictions. I, I still, I'm still in the middle of it. Some of you are saying, I, I, feel, I feel dark. I feel discouraged every day. To be honest, I feel like Mary. I'm not sure if it's seven demons. It might be a lot more. I'm not sure. But I got a lot going on in here. Brent, you... You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know what I've been involved in. You don't know today before I got to church the things that I did. You don't know. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what's been done to me. You don't understand the level of fear that I carry or the shame or the bondage, all the things that I've been through in my life. You don't know, and I don't, but Jesus does. And all that stuff did not prevent him from choosing this sinful woman to go and tell the story. Here's the thing. Jesus isn't nearly as concerned as where you've been as you are. He's not. He's concerned about where you're headed. He's concerned about the journey that you're on. And are you headed towards him? The message of this resurrection story is that we are not marginalized by our own genetics. It's that our history doesn't have to knock us out. Poverty, our race, we are valued for who we are and embraced by God himself. And our story is redeemed by the resurrection story of Jesus. And Jesus, through the story, he says to you, you matter, you're important, you are loved, and anything is possible for you, including being healed. Why? Because of you? No, because of me. Because of his life and all of us. So you don't have to be limited by your family and your history. You don't have to be limited by your failures. You don't have to be limited by your shame. You don't have to be limited by your doubts. You don't have to be limited by your own foolishness even. And you don't have to surrender to the schemes of the enemy for your life. Actually, here's how good Jesus' resurrection story is for you. You ready? Colossians chapter two, in the message version, when you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. But God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross, and he marched them naked through the streets. 
He took all the plans the enemy has for you and he stripped them down and he embarrassed them. And you don't have to be limited by them anymore if you'll surrender to him. If you'll let him bring that same freedom to your life that he brought to Mary. You could have a resurrection story all your own. And then you get to run and tell it to other people. You get to run and help other people who will then catch their own story of freedom and deliverance. Listen, everybody, that's the plan. You're the plan. There is no other plan but you. You are here, a part of this church, chosen by God. It's your story that he wants to use in the world. Your resurrection story is the way the story spreads to people in your life, to friends and family and coworkers. Why don't you guys come on up? There's this, as, as we close, there's this painting I want to show you. It's by this painter. I'm going to butcher the name, I'm sure of it, but uh, Giotto di Bondini, maybe? Eh, maybe? I don't know, probably? Thank you. Somebody affirmed me. I appreciate that. But actually, it depicts, it depicts this moment in the garden. And you've got Mary, Mary there with both hands outstretched to Jesus. But you've got Jesus walking away from Mary. One hand pushed back. Don't touch me. Victory flag in hand. I got the victory, Mary. Great Lord, I want to be with you. I don't know. Don't touch me. Because the reality is, some of you, that's actually how you think this looks. You feel like, yeah, I want that. I want resurrection life and power. I want to be healed. I, I, I want help. I want to be delivered. I want to go tell the story. I want, to, I want all of that. But what I've done, what I've been through, what's happened to me, I'm sure of it that Jesus is saying, no, 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 these guys are good. I've got the victory, but it's for these guys. It's not for you. And actually, the reverse is true. Actually, most of the time, it's Jesus saying, I've done it. I've done, look at the nail scars. Put your hand in my side. I've paid the ultimate sacrifice. I've covered every sin you'll commit. I've done that. And I ascended to my Father, and I've given my Holy Spirit. He's here for you to empower you and give you the ability to tell the story. Both of his hands, nail-scarred hands, are reaching out to us, but it's we in our hearts saying, I don't know. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I'm not worthy. I'm dirty. I'm not worth it. I've got too much. I've seen and done too much. Too much has happened to me. And he's just saying, are you kidding? It's not true. It's not true. And he wants his res resurrection story to come and impact your story today to help you understand he's ready to break some barriers in your life. Just like my story in Magdala, encountering his presence and pushing through some stuff in my life. Just like Mary Magdalene's story of deliverance with Jesus, the demon activity, and then here at the tomb, Jesus is here and ready to give you an encounter with him. Jesus is here now today saying the relationship can shift. All right, let's just move on. The relationship can shift now. Don't hold on. Don't hold on to what's happened. Don't hold on to what's been. Let's shift now. Let my spirit empower you and heal you. And let's go out and let's tell that story. If Jesus breaks barriers in our lives, shouldn't we participate with him and break some barriers out there too?
power of sharing your stories that it opens the door for other people to share theirs. So we're gonna go back into worship here and I, I just want you to close your eyes for a second. I just want you to think about this as we, as we enter into the presence of Jesus in, in worship. Some of you, this is right where you're living. Man, I'm full of darkness, shame, fear. I, I don't know, I don't know. I feel like it's never gonna change and I just want you to know that resurrection proves anything can change. Nothing's too far gone. If the dead come back to life, Jesus can take care of what you're going through. And so you need deliverance. You need for someone to work with you through, pray for you to be free of that thing that you thought would never leave. I have faith today that it's gonna leave. So I'm gonna invite the prayer team up front. And if that's you, I need prayer for this thing. I need this stuff out of my life. I need to make a change today. Then as we worship, I just want you to make your way to the front and I want you to come and let them pray with you and receive the freedom that's available for you. Some of you, you have resurrection life. Like you, this is not where you are. You're not in the Mary Magdalene story. You've, you've processed through that, but, but now you're going, okay, I do have a story, but man, I'm scared to tell it. So Jesus is saying to you today, don't hold on to me. Don't hold on to this. Come on, let me fill you with my spirit and let's go. Let me empower you to give you the wisdom and the grace to go out into your workplace, into your family, and you tell the story and watch what I'll do. Maybe you need empowerment for that today. I want you to come down and I want you to let these people pray for you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your spirit that's at work in the room. We thank you for your goodness, kindness, and grace. We thank you that there is nothing that we've done that's too difficult for you. And so right now, across this space, as we release all the things that we've experienced, God, I pray for freedom in this room. I pray for life to fill this room. I pray for life to fill every heart that feels broken and like they don't matter. And I pray for boldness and courage to rise within us to tell the good news of who you are and what you've done. So as we enter into worship now, would you do that? We love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. All right, everybody, come take advantage of these guys and pray with them. Let's worship Jesus together.